Hey, power suiters, we've launched our 2024 power sessions. Check out powersuit.com, click on power sessions and save your spot. We're coming to cities around New Zealand and Australia. Come and join 15 other incredible women in this month long transformative leadership program. Look forward to meeting you. Welcome to Power Up, the podcast that uncovers the unique challenges women leaders face today. Join your hosts, Nat and Kristen, as we dive into the tough topics and provide actionable insights you can apply right now. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Hello, this is our last podcast episode of 2023. That means we've done 44 podcast episodes and we need a break for our summer here in the Southern Hemisphere, but we'll definitely see you again in February. So if you haven't listened to all of our pods, here's your shot. Here's your shot to go backwards and start from the start. Do you think, remember in the back in the early days mm. where you claimed we would p- make this perfect by EP10? Do you think we've had 34 perfect podcasts? <laughs> Near perfect. <laughs> Achieved. Goal achieved. Last week was on setting New Year's resolutions and how to make goals stick. Goals achieved. (laughs) Next. But look, in 2023, it's been a great year for PowerSuit. We've done six months of research. We've run seven power session cohorts. We've had over 80 coaching sessions, Nat. And we've learned a few things. Yeah, I think we've actually had more like 100 coaching sessions. Yeah. (laughs) Split between us. It feels like 80 each. It's been amazing, hasn't it? I feel like... One of the joys of doing all of this stuff is we have now become some of the biggest experts in women and leadership and the causes of the gender leadership gap because we've literally devoted a year of our lives to deep diving into it, to talking to individual people, to testing stuff, to seeing the data. And that has enabled us to really sort of understand some of the myths that we keep telling ourselves and each other. Yeah. And... I think it's perfect to finish the year dispelling some of those myths. Yeah, and we're going to address five of them. And I even remember some of them in those early research days. We were batting them around and curious about them. But we, we are so happy to say that after one year, celebrated our one year of power suit last week, we are here to officially debunk five myths, common myths about women in the workplace. This isn't one of those myths, but... One of the things we often talk about is networking and women aren't great networkers. Mm. And last week we had our first birthday and we had a power party, which kind of was coincidental, but we did it. And about 70 women turned up and I have never seen, we didn't use the word networking at all because we actually think it's more about connecting and chatting and networking is a bit of a loaded term for a lot of people. But I was fascinated by how many people left going, I just didn't realize it was going to be that great. And I've made so many new friends and I've connected with so many people on LinkedIn and I found someone who I want to hire. I found someone who's got a job available and all these incredible things. So a bonus myth, I suppose, to start with is women are absolutely fantastic at networking because we just watched 70 strangers do it in a, on a rooftop at a bar in Wellington last week. Yeah. Well, it was, I think because we've reframed networking as 
really just having honest and authentic relationships and women are amazing at relationships. So I think that's why. And that was a warm up myth, which I appreciate. Let's (laughs) no worries. You're welcome. (laughs) Let's dive into the first one. I'm not going to give a foreshadowing of what the five are. We're just going to tackle one at a time. So the first one, the myth about women in the workplace is that we're not confident. Yeah, it's so funny. I've just come off one of the 80 coaching calls, 100 coaching Mm. calls where that was something that she's broken through of individually because she said she's always seen herself she actually set herself a challenge to define what confidence what a confident her looks like and really dug into it and read a lot of the power suit stuff and listened to a lot of it and went oh I'm just constantly stretching I'm always out of my comfort zone so a confident me is not having negative self-talk all the time about the things that I do yeah, and we've all, we always like to say that we, because we are constantly stretching ourselves and we're in unfamiliar territory, and it was quite interesting, back to the power party last week, there was one or two guys in the zone and chatting with one of the guys at the end, he was like, whew, that was quite something, being the only male in this room, and the person I was with said, yeah, now you know how we feel being the only woman in a room. And that's a perfect example of stretching ourselves out of our comfort zones, being in unfamiliar, uncharted territories. Therefore, you get real human feelings of uncertainty. You might feel the wobbles. You might feel a bit shaky or unsure of yourself and and questioning, what am I doing here? That isn't a lack of confidence. It's a natural human emotion to an environment that's new. I agree. Mm. So we we started the year, one of our first podcasts was talking about imposter syndrome and sort of debunking it as a syndrome. We're not ill. Women are not innately underconfident. We don't have a sickness that makes us imposters. We actually just often find ourselves environments that aren't designed for us, aren't surrounded by people who look and act like us. And quite often the people I speak to who claim to be the most underconfident are the people who are really in incredible positions of power and influence and they may not be at a top level they could be a key role in a project or taking on an important voice at a meeting and I always find it so fascinating to watch and be like if you lacked confidence you wouldn't have done that you have just put yourself into a position where you are going to feel a little bit out of your comfort zone and you're gonna you're gonna feel a bit wobbly about it and that and when you go back into business as usual or a thing that you feel really comfortable doing, your confidence is going to rock it up because it's not a fixed thing. And that myth that we keep getting told that women are not confident, oh, that drives me bonkers now. I think we've both become people who like attack well, <laughs> as soon and, as we hear it. <laughs> and we did do an episode, podcast episode number 35, which is how confidence is weaponized for women and how that label, like imposter syndrome, which I think was episode number three, um, I believe. Since yeah. podcasting savant, she <clears throat> remembers um, every episode number. <laughs> yeah, so 35 was on, and, and that was quite a popular episode, so make sure you listen to both of those. But this idea that we stick that label and adopt that label of, but, but confidence is we're never confident enough because we don't exhibit these behaviors, or we're overly confident and we're bossy and brash and assertive. Mm-hmm. So forget it. We're saying goodbye to that label in 2023. We are in fact confident. We're experiencing real emotions as it relates to pushing ourselves. Absolutely. And I think my final note on that, having spoken to especially women who aren't white, that confidence can be portrayed in so many different ways. And people often mistake collaborative for lack of confidence. Mm. And that's actually a real powerful leadership tool. So just because you don't look and act like what our narrow definition of confidence looks like doesn't mean you lack it. And often power suitors have told us they've been given the feedback. They're not confident enough. 
where actually they were feeling perfectly fine in the moment. So just be really aware that there are a lot of external forces sometimes telling you you're not as confident as you know you are. Myth busted. Number two, we don't apply unless we're 100% qualified. Yeah, I mean, that's why no woman ever get promoted, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just think this is such a stupid one. And this, um, we actually attacked this a couple of weeks ago. And this was... Uh, it was Sheryl Sandberg and Lenin. It wasn't actually. She amplified oh. it. It was uh, from uh, uh. Hewlett Packard. Got it. Did an internal study. And this was in an internal report that one quote about men only need 60%, women need 100%. They actually, I don't think anyone knows exactly where it came from, whether it came from data or some out-of-touch executive said this one line, it ended up in an HP report, then Cheryl and a few others took it and amplified it, and it turned into anecdata, and we all embraced it as a fact, where there was actually no nothing behind it. There have been studies that say we do apply slightly less than men, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Yeah, well, and I think it's important to be really clear and distinguish the reasons, because when we say we don't apply unless we're 100 percent qualified that implies something related to our confidence yeah confidence (laughs) our value and our belief in our value and worth that we bring to the marketplace and maybe we're not ready or maybe blah 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 which are all natural questions by the way when you're looking to really commit to something you should go through some analysis in order to be like is this right for me am i right for this however the reasons that we did find were anything related to the juggle and you know that we take on a lot of lot more of the household admin and work admin and so therefore how can I juggle these new responsibilities is questions on our brain. Can the I lack- interrupt that one? Yeah. Because I've heard some pretty pretty what's the word? Um disappointing stories. Is mm. it disappointing in this day and age? A whole I've spoken to a whole bunch of single mothers this year. I don't know if you have too that basically all ultimately are now 100% accountable or responsible for their children. Yeah. And even if they have an ex-husband or partner who um, has stepped up and participated, these women have ultimately been accountable either in the gap when they first broke up, they took on the full childcare, all that sort of stuff. So that literally means that when they're weighing up whether or not to take on a new role, they are weighing up such a different state than their exes are weighing up, who will potentially put that their work before their children, knowing that there's a fallback. Yeah. Women don't feel like they have that fallback, so they will prioritize their kids yeah. over anything. Again, has nothing to do with their value or worth nope. about that particular role, or if they can do the role, it is related to, literally, is this the right time in my life? Because yeah. I've been shouldered with so much responsibility. Yeah. The other things that we heard is the leadership team or that team lacks diversity. Thanks, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why would I get, you know, no representation? I know what I'm walking into. Thanks, if no thanks. If your organizational chart has a bunch of white dudes at the top, you can guarantee there are yeah. a bunch of women looking at that and not applying for those Yeah, roles. And then there's this other kind of a terrible word, but it makes sense. And this is this grooming gap. And this is that historically men have been groomed into roles, whereas many times women aren't actually shoulder, shoulder tapped, kind of push or the direction, I suppose, in order to put their hands up for that I role. I love it. Because yeah. you know that other saying we all say all the time, it should be the best person for the job. Mm. We shouldn't hire for diversity. There is a woman who is the CEO of a massive insurance company, a blue chip insurance company in the UK, who has just put in place a policy whereby if there is someone who people want to hire who is not a diversity candidate, a diverse candidate, so basically a white male, 
they have to run it by her and she has to approve that the process they followed because she wants them to hire the best person for the job and knows most of the time the way the system's been set up is people are shoulder tapped. White men are shoulder tapped by other white men and they're not in fact hiring the best person for the job. They're hiring someone they know through their networks. And so she is in this massive company and has literally just put her foot down and said no more. We want to make sure we actually are hiring the best person for the job. Yeah, and I feel like that needs to happen at governance levels as well because even though we're starting to see some real breakthroughs in leadership teams, not so much at a governance level. But anyway, we can debunk this myth because it's all, all these questions, while we they're normal to question, am I ready? Or do I want that? Because we take our career seriously. It's not actually about our value and worth. Um, but one question we do like to really challenge people with is, uh, if not you, then who? Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's got quite a few power suitors applying, right? Mm. Who suddenly look around them and go, well, if I'm not applying for that role, the mediocre person beside me, I know they have the confidence to do it and they'll back themselves. And I think that's to that point of we should actually challenge, are you ready for the role? And I don't mean that in the sense of like, don't be afraid to stretch. You you should feel uncomfortable in the first couple of months of a new job. But those people who are happy to put their hand up for anything, that's not a culture we actually want to necessarily continue. No. We're unqualified. That's, I mean, that's why power sort of exists there's a lot of mediocre leaders and managers out there as a result but if yeah if you if you can look around and go am i better than the other candidates because you've worked with them or you've interacted with them that should give you everything you need to know to put your hand up and for those last point that are working in male-dominated teams and or industries you're doing god's work keep those elbows up keep going because someone's (laughs) got to do it and break it for the next gen i was saying that on one of my coaching sessions last week i'm like you're doing god's work like go 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 (laughs) because you're doing it for my daughter for your daughter you know so you know i mean i remember i was at a finance conference about a month ago and the only questions we got it was women in finance and governance and the only questions we got after every panel was yes but how does that apply in an organization where they don't believe in diversity there is no diversity and they actually don't care Mm. whereas i think there are also a bunch of men as we know from our community who are right there alongside us going tell me what i can do and i know that's like putting the mental load on women but they actually will follow through and do it so sometimes you just got to tell them yeah because it's not always immediately obvious but yes we do apply for jobs and bonus fact here is that women are more likely to get the job when we apply yeah so keep that in mind the third myth we want to bust is that we don't negotiate yeah Mm. i um (laughs) it's gonna seem like a tangent but it's not i was listening to the daily which Mm. is a podcast from the new york times and that one of their final ones was on taylor swift the year of taylor swift yeah and the host was interviewing a woman journalist who follows pop culture and taylor swift and partway through she burst into tears and was talking about a particular Taylor Swift song that was about being let down by the people around you. And this journalist said one day she got to work and realized that all her male colleagues were being paid more than her and she hadn't been given the opportunity to be paid as much and she had sacrificed time with young children and a lot of other things to do this job and she is so deeply disappointed that years later it still brings her to tears to talk about how she was so severely let down by the pay system yeah agreed i have some horror stories when i think back of the hundreds of thousands i left on the table and not from my 
I suppose it not my fault. I see that now because um, you had said weren't given the opportunity to negotiate. So that can be everything from lack of transparency to uh, uh, introduction to actually offer they put across the table and the benefits. Those are all negotiable. I mean, who would know? It's a secret club that happens to know and it's like the odds are stacked against us. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. And to the blatant, I've met so many power suitors who've been blatantly told there's no room for them to get a pay rise when they've tried to negotiate only to find out that the next guy who got hired is being immediately paid more than them and is less qualified. Yeah. The, we we don't all negotiate, but actually men and women don't negotiate. Like I think there's like women negotiate more than men statistically, but it's still, I don't know, 50, 60%. So a bunch of us don't negotiate all the time. If you haven't before listened to our first ever podcast, it's responsible for at least $100,000 worth of extra wealth every year falling yeah. in our community's hands. But if we do actually negotiate as much, if not more than men, however, we often get knocked back. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think there's two two parts to that. Like you had said, there are a group of people who maybe don't know how. And so mm. we have help uh, for those. Our first podcast episode, like you'd mentioned, we also have a, a template. It's one of our articles that we wrote. I'll put it in the resources about how to do a counter offer. And yeah. we, we provide a template on that. And so and that's worked, by the way. I've heard from someone who's tried it. Well, that yeah. So there's a few people, one uh, chatting with someone at the power party last week. They went through the template. It was their first job offer after being away uh, from the job market for, I don't know, over 10 years with children. And so you can imagine the uncertainty mm -hmm. stepping into some somewhere new. Someone sent them our podcast. Uh, they took the template. And then subsequently did a counter, was so frightened to do it, but actually got what they asked asked for. And then we've had, again, multiple people say, I listened to this um, and, you know, I've gone back. And not only can you negotiate on your salary, but you can negotiate on things like benefits. If it's a startup, there might be equity um, that you can lever leverage. There can be things like six month check-ins for salary review, if that's not what is on the table right now. There can be things like benefits, professional development, coaching, holiday pay, uh, mm -hmm. all sorts of things, four-day work weeks. Yeah, we've heard some amazing stories, which is great. Absolutely agreed. But long and short of the we don't negotiate is not everyone negotiates, but that's a genderless situation. We both, all genders are equally, if not um, women being slightly less guilty of not negotiating. But the single biggest thing we can do to close the gender pay gap is transparency. Yep. And any organization that has transparent pay reporting um, is often quite afraid to put it out because they recognize that there is a gap. There's yeah. not many companies, gosh, there'd be a handful, I feel like, <laughs> who get this right. And so the first step is to actually be open and transparent and, uh, and actually start to talk about the problem and yeah. not put it on women not negotiating. Agree. I love the band system, actually, and a lot of big corporates do have this, right? Like banks and stuff, and they have bands, and they're really clear about right. you're in the mid, you're in the upper part of the band, and um, they have... Uh, end of you know they're all going through these processes now to close their gap they're disclosing if they have a, a gender pay gap and they're actually looking to close them so I love that organization I've heard those bands be yeah. used against people with people on completely different bands all right at the bottom when they should be right at the top and all that sort of stuff they so. should advertise the stuff I've seen is they advertise the band with the role um, yeah. So therefore, everybody's in that band or not. It's I not like, like it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, there, so there's some good stuff happening. But again, myth busted. We're going to move on to number four, which is we need executive presence. And this is, we've also done a podcast on that one. I'll let you share while I go and search for that one. <laughs> She's not actually a savant. She searches for them. Yeah. 
this is sort of goes back to the confidence thing. It's this idea that we have, and we talk about this a lot at Power Suit, about this narrow definition of leadership and executive presence falls under the same banner. We have an idea of what executive presence look like. It looks like it's often tall, it's often white, it's often male. It's, um, I don't want to say overbearing because it's not that, but it's like a physical big presence. It's an authoritative voice. It's often a louder, deeper voice. It's a stance you sit in. It's a whole range of factors that no one can exactly put their finger on to go, that's what executive presence looks like until they see it. Which means when they look at women and we don't meet that expectation, they assume we don't have it. Yeah, and and you're right in that they're similar to how one should act in a meeting. It is very, if you close your eyes and you think of a leader, a very particular uh, person, probably male, tall, white, autocratic, certain, you know, charismatic even possibly. These are all the things that come to mind with executive presence and way of acting. And so in meetings, some of us, our voices can can be lost because our strengths and the way we want to show up as a leader look quite different. And Absolutely. I'll, yeah, and I'll give an example is that we have a lot of power suitors that have gone through power sessions and some of their top strengths are thinkers. Well, guess what that means? That means that they need to use meetings to take in and ingest information. They prep for them. They use the meetings to learn different perspectives. They then take 12, 24, however many hours they need to reflect. They look at things from multiple perspectives and when they speak, it's incredibly powerful. So it's really important. Again, this is not about a lack of executive presence. This is some people, leadership and meeting presence look quite different. Now we're huge fans of shoulders back. When you speak, speak with clarity, um, standing up for yourself, looking confident, not fidgeting. We're, We're fans of that. But we're also fans of there's a wide range of behaviors that people exhibit as it relates to getting their point across, digesting information, sharing their thoughts. Clear clear communication is amazing. I think even the term executive presence is just embedded with bias. Mm. And I remember someone said, I can't remember when it was, but why do we want confident executive presence in businesses anyway? Don't we want high-performing results <laughs> like like we've got these labels that are just in, intuitively biased mm. around what we think it should look like to be a productive leader and actually if you examine them as the skills that you need in those roles i don't even know if they're things we should even aim for a lot yeah. of the time and it, and and just taking a look it's actually episode number 12 and we challenge that as the, as one of the worst pieces of feedback that people get because what does it even mean how you get it yeah you know <laughs> like what does that what does that who do i need to act like in order to check that box and that's definitely something that we've learned is that people who get that feedback often when they have asked how to change that there is very little extra information coming their way yeah and it's often i don't know just be more like i heard literally someone say this year just be more like the guy who did the job before you and it's like great i'll change my gender and my entire personality thanks that's gonna be easy specific feedback we love so myth busted yeah we are fabulous (laughs) (laughs) and so the final one now do you want to introduce the final myth yeah, we lack ambition. Mm, yeah, this is an interesting one. And it's because ambition, again, there is when we think about what navigating your career path looks like, you think of your, I don't know, is it the Wall Street broker? Or is it the person that I think I recounted this on a podcast post? Sorry, on a podcast episode. 
a few months ago. Now, I don't recall which episode it is, but it was literally someone that had to run and and drink beer at the same time in order to get the internship Uh, with the company. And yeah, um, yeah, I mean, if that's our bar of ambition. So that person got that role because they were crazy competitive and won this race and drank beer. I would love to go up against that person, by the way. Um, But that was... beer? (laughs) No, racing some tosser to get the job (laughs) and drinking beer while doing it. Because he did this whole... And it was legitimate LinkedIn post on like how you needed to strive and push and look like this and want to win. And that would be your classic example of what ambitious looks like and what you're willing to do to get a job which is crazy absolutely i've been on a personal vendetta at the moment against the founder of WeWork, which if you followed the news at all about a year ago Mm. was this massively overhyped co-working space Mm. effectively the only innovation that i am aware of that WeWork had is they put beer taps in offices so beer must be a critical element Mm. of ambition And they raised billions of dollars, billions of dollars valuation, and then it all blew up when the company tried to list and they realized it was nothing more than co-working spaces. That same guy has now uh, got a billion dollar company pre-launch for transforming real estate with the similarly an uninnovative idea. And the reason I'm on a personal vendetta against him is he is what ambition looks like telling this big vision that's wild and crazy and Mm. everyone's like he's just a genius and it's like but he didn't deliver anything and then you've fallen for it again whereas we know this in startup world women only get two to three percent of all venture capital funding but we tend to paint a more accurate picture yeah and that is looked at as not ambitious enough yeah so, we're on it and honest about risk as well yeah but yeah even the little little everyday actions can point to a perception of ambition and lack of ambition and that is are you making the network drinks after dinner are you doing the golf are you doing what are genuinely male dominated activities right now to get ahead and to network and to get in with the higher level stakeholders and it's a classic example of bias in a workplace that isn't opening up opportunity for everyone to be ambitious in their own time and in their way that allows them because we have kid pickup or we've got something else so just an entire system that was built on working 100 hours a week showcases ambition and even if you don't have children i don't have children i think the measure of ambition and productivity being hours worked to me i would say that's a reverse correlation and if you need 100 hours a week to do what i can do in 40 i would say i'd pick myself yeah the person who needs a lot longer to get the same amount of stuff done so it's all these inbuilt biases in the system that we don't look like and so um but i would say a final thing with the we lack ambition and we've seen this in a huge number of really publicized examples of and i'll use like oprah and barack obama and michelle obama and taylor swift before these people set the new standard for what it looks like to be incredibly successful Mm. we didn't have them as role models so if the only thing you see when you're looking in one of those very undiverse companies or when you're looking at all the definitions of what a great leader looks like and you don't recognize yourself in any of them it's much harder to aim towards it you have to work 10 times as hard because you're not only getting to that place you're actually having to write your own playbook to do it rather than just following a well-established one and educate as well which is so much work you know in order to educate a whole new group of people that you you too can do this but um i know that uh, at our mission at parasuit is that people can uh, define uh, a career on their own terms and therefore that's what success is to you and that is ambitious in that i can define it on my terms and it may not be partner or it may be partner but 
the word partner and to have that next to your title doesn't necessarily define you as ambitious. It could be that you have a portfolio of roles and jobs and life outside of work and everything. And that is ambitious. It's defined on your own terms. And that's why we're making Power Suit at scale, because the more of us who showcase this way of leadership, the more normalized it's going to be and the easier it's going to be for the next person to join Mm. and live out their career on their terms. So should we read out those five? Yeah, but I'm going to actually flip it. So I'm just going to flip it to the the truths, actually, instead of the myths. And the first is that we are confident. The second is we do apply for roles um, and we do back our value and our worth as it relates to those roles. The third is that we do negotiate and quite often um, see a win on the other side, which is incredible. The fourth is that we have executive presence as it's defined with our strengths and our leadership style. And finally is we are ambitious and we are seeking to build a career on our own terms. I love it. Mm. What a great way to end 2023. <laughs> what are you going to go do now? Um, I've got another coaching call this afternoon. <laughs> 101. Number 101. I'm uh, out I- for a walk. My oh. vision of ambition is oh. to go out on this glorious sunny day in Wellington, meet up with a friend, go out for a walk and embrace life. I love it. I love it. Um, look, happy 2023, everyone. We will be back in February. There's lots of great stuff coming with Power Suit uh, over the course of 2024. We're so excited about it. Thank you so much for joining on our journey this year. We know you probably haven't listened to all 44 episodes. So like, hey, we have some super fans. We've had, we like, yes, some do. Yeah, we have a lot of people's favorite podcasts. Some do, but if you haven't, we invite you. To make us your favorite podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do, because our Spotify wrap next year, it's only up from here. Yeah, we like to increase our baseline each year. We like, we're very competitive with ourselves. Yeah, but thank you. Thank you for your love, for your your reviews, for your your emails that we get from you. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.